0: From their padded cell in Indianapolis, Indiana, this is The Spiel, episode 12, Going Postal. Welcome back, fearless listeners. Here we are at the spiel. My name is Stephen Conway. And I'm David Colson, and it seems like it's been a long time since we've done this. Yes, we're back in the normal <laughs> routine here. We've had our, our Gen Con extravaganza. We're all rested up and
1: uh, ready to go, I think. Uh, as ready as we ever are. Right, exactly. I'm not sure if I remember all of our segments. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Hopefully, you out there will remember along with us as we go here. We're having to relearn, but we've hit the the dozen episodes mark here and uh wow we're uh we're still tooling along so we hope you're having fun with us you ready to you ready to hit it dave oh absolutely let's do this thing game news and notes
1: okay well i found out some Interesting information this week that is was important to me, and I hope there's some of our listeners that are as insane as I am. <laughs> so my my little news and notes episode is if anybody is uh, familiar with this, the um, games for two players from Cosmos, they have a series which includes classic like Lost Cities and Balloon Cup, Balloon Cup, Heron and that kind Zeus. of stuff. Just recently at Gen Con, we got to play the Times Square, which is the newest in that series. Well, I learned that there are actually three other games that came out this year for that series, but no, um, no English publishers have decided to pick them up yet. Oh, wow! And That's kind of surprising, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's insane. There, there actually has been a handful, maybe like right. four or five that haven't been picked so, so up. I have one of the, uh,
0: Druid and
1: Valten, Druid and Valtzen, like Finale, Flower Power, Avalon. Um, Probably are a couple more that I can't remember. But with these new three, there are actually um, 32 games in this series now. Holy crap, wow. I have 29, so I'd really love (laughs) to have those other three, but somebody's going to have to step up to the plate and either do them in English or we're going to have to have somebody, you know, import the uh, German version. Yeah. But so we got three of them. The first one is called Asterix and Obelix, and it's a game by Michael um, Reinick, and it's based off of this Gaelic comic oh, right. type of thing that I was not familiar Asterisk. with what yeah. so whatsoever. Yeah, it's it's a it's a cool comic. I've read some of those. And it, it looks great. It's got this one little like these basic two characters. There's mm-hmm. a lot more, you know, this one guy is this kind of small guy who gets this super strength from drinking some potion or some wacky right, stuff. Yeah. And then he's got this kind of like his goofy pal yeah. that hangs out with him and he'll just go along and do anything he wants as long as what is he addicted to? I can't remember. Oh. Some kind of meat, but it just looks really goofy. <laughs> the um, The game, the artwork looks artwork looks goofy, and it's it's kind of a weird combination of a card drafting game meets a greed style game. That sounds cool. So I would love to see that picked up by somebody. The theme alone, I mean, right. I, there's enough uh, American people who read the asterisks comics. I mean, hopefully. I would think that would make it go. So of I, it. I'd love to see that one, and the next two. The, the second one's kind of goofy. It is um, Sudoku, Duel of the Masters. Oh, no. <laughs> it's by Rainer Kinesia. And I know we're all absolutely tired, absolutely tired of the Sudoku, Sudoku stuff. <laughs> but um, this has a little twist on it. It actually has two people playing at the same time, and you're actually placing numbers in the grid one at a time, and you're trying to be the first one to have, like, the majority of your numbers in a row, or a column, or a square. Oh, uh, okay. So it looks like it might be kind of neat, even though, yeah. you know, it's kind <laughs> of something worn Something tells out. me
0: you want that because you want your collection to be complete, <laughs> not, you know, not because you really are looking forward to that one. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so I'll move on right right on to number three, and this is another one where I would pretty much buy this just to have it in my collection, but it's the travel edition of Simply Ingenious, or Unfuck Einfalk- oh. Genile, or Genile, or... However, they yeah. pronounce that in German. <laughs> I'm sure someone out there will yeah, correct us. <laughs> exactly. But um, the game is a great game. Um, I've seen the pictures of the Travel Edition, and it is miniature. I mean, it is weenie. Because you can imagine almost that whole board being crammed into a box the size. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe you should describe what the, the regular game looks like just a little, just so people have an idea can picture it in their mind. It's it's the ba- It's the... Kind of, I don't want to say dominoes, but it feels like that a little bit. Yeah. They're like two octagonal tiles fused together in this strange hourglass-looking yes. piece, and you lay and basically and they have different icons. Yeah, on they them. have different icons that are different colors, and you're just laying. You're trying to match up icons, and the more that you can line up in straight lines, the larger your score will be. Right. And just like a lot of other Rainer games, he's trying to force you to balance. You know, you score points for playing symbols, and he's trying to have you balance out, you know, as equal as you can between the red and the blue and the purple and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, so this just looks like an exact copy of that, but in a small series, and it's for obviously two players since mm-hmm. it's in the series. That's so awesome. I just thought that was really cool that there are three more new ones in this series that I didn't know about. Yeah. So I'm I'm stoked to get these <laughs> and and finish my collection.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so any uh, American game publishers out there and are listening. Uh... There are at least two people who want these yeah, games. Yeah, exactly. That'd be worth your time. <laughs> a market <with>. of two. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what have you got going? So I have uh, I have one game and one item of note. Oh. Cool. Uh, so the game is um, a really cool one called Iliad. Um, it's by Asmodee Editions. Um, it's, a, it's a French company, I believe. Uh-huh. Um, Dominique Earhart is the designer. Uh-huh. Runs. It's going to run about 15.95. Supposed to be out late this year, I think. It's two to six players, 45 minutes for the game, and it's exactly as the title would suggest. It's a card strategy game dealing with um, the Iliad, the Trojan War, basically, at Homer's uh, great epic poem. Um, the artwork looks awesome. Players will lead their Greek characters into the bold action of besieging Troy and rescuing the beautiful Helen. The first one to reach 12 points will be the winner. The game is played in a series of sieges, with each player attempting to bring victory cards into play while massing the most powerful army. Um, I think the most interesting thing, and the thing that really caught my attention Uh is um, that according to the Osmodee website, um, the designer is actually revisiting a strategy mechanic from one of his earlier Game designs. Yeah. Um, Did he say which? Uh, Condottieri, ah. uh, which I think awesome. is a great game, oh, and it's, it's a great game. to see a yeah. refinement of. It. They don't even really let you know which mechanic <laughs> it is they're refining in the little blurb that I've read about it. Mm. But anything that I'm a sort of classics uh, lover at heart, being an English major and writer, <laughs> I I think have, the subject matter definitely interests me, right. and uh, the game itself, the art looks amazingly cool. Um, So look for that sometime later this year. Is it just a
1: standalone? It's not collectible or anything? I don't know. It's not collectible. It's
0: a standalone game, uh, strategy-type card game. Um, So look for that later this year. Yeah, Um, that is neat. So that's my my game. My item of note (laughs) is something you might be noticing as you're listening to the spiel right now. We hope. (laughs) We hope. (laughs) Please, God, we hope. Uh, You are listening to the spiel via two new beautiful microphones so we hope that the quality of the audio will uh, now match the quality of the content that you've been listening to on the spiel let us know. We would love to hear um, that our audio skills are improving and that your list, we're not going to kill you by banging the table <laughs> anymore or uh, that the sound quality is improved. So please let us know uh, at Steven at the Spiel.net or Dave at the Spiel.net. The List Over a decade ago, we took up the challenge to play every unplayed game in our collection. Each week on the spiel, we play one or two games from our list of unplayed games. The list started over 100 and has been as low as 30, but we're at peace with the fact that we'll probably never get to the end. After all, life would be awfully boring without new games to play. Let's see which games get crossed off the list. So this week on the list, we have two really uh, disparate games. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I don't know that that was our plan when we picked these two games, uh, but <laughs> they're pretty far apart on the on the scale. Um, the first game tonight is a game called Big Top, and it's a circus-themed game. Um, it, uh, it was published in 2003. Uh, the designer is a fellow named Ray Mulford. It's for three to six players. Um, Plays in about an hour, and you can find it readily online for around $13, $14. I think normal retail is well over $20, but Uh, you can find it for around $13 at at many of the online game retailers. So Big Top um, was inspired by the classic card game Fantan. We'll get to a little bit more on that (laughs) in a minute. It's a quick and easy-to-learn card game in which players take on the role of aspiring circus owners. The winner of the game is the person who will invest in the most popular circus acts and earn the most money by helping his fellow players when they call for certain circus acts to be played. Um, The cards are beautifully illustrated by a rather famous artist named Alessandra Simatoribus. I'm probably butchering that name, but... That's as good as I'm going to do. That was um, awesome. She's also done other games like Torres and San Marco. She was oh, the illustrator of those games. Okay. I think the the artwork definitely will be recognizable. Yeah. Um, you may not know the artist, but you'll be like, oh, I've seen those, those paintings or similar style paintings before on the cards. Um, the flavor text, I think, is also worth mentioning on the cards. It has little bits of information about the... Uh, of circus life different uh aspects of of the circus life that goes on in that so that's a little bit of the the game in a nutshell in terms of the the background around the game the game itself um is a a an offshoot of this game called fantan which is a classic kids card game that i, I didn't know of as fantan but i had knew of because i'd played it right um, i had never played that yeah uh I, didn't, I don't even remember what we called it, but basically you play it with a normal 52 deck of cards um, and you take out the sevens and you play the sevens in the middle of the table and you deal the rest of the cards out to everybody who's playing and then you take turns. You can play one up or one down. So you can play the eight or the six. Once those are played, you can play Nine up or five. down. And the object is to get rid of your cards as fast as you can. So at its core, that's Big Top. You're you're trying that you're going to get a fistful of cards that are all circus themed instead of being a 52 deck of cards. You you have your four suits which are the clowns, the performers, the animals, and the circus freaks. Um, and then you have illustrations and you have a little icon that shows you that's the suit and the color, and then a little blurb and a little special picture on each of the cards that has really nothing to do with the game but is really cool nevertheless. Um, So the the heart of the game is still you have a poster card rather than the seven that you would have in Fantan that you're going to play out to the card. And the interesting wrinkle is you have cards that go from one numbered one through six, but you have a dark numbers one through six and a light numbers one through six. And you're going to play on opposite sides of that poster um, to try to get rid of all the white one through six and all the dark one through sixes. the other, the, that's, that's sort of how it's like Fantan. Exactly. What they've added to the game is this little sort of activity board. I don't know what else to call <laughs> that, it. That's a great name. <laughs> <laughs> that you set in for each person gets in front of them. And on one side of it, you're bidding, you have, um, your circus, uh, gate receipts that are worth different amounts of money. And you're going to secretly decide, okay, after you look at your hand, well, I've got a ton of the purple cards. So I might not be able to get rid of all those, so I'm gonna put my lowest dollar value on on the purple. I've only got two of the green colored ones, so I'm gonna put my highest dollar value on the green little slot on my activity board. The reason for this is it's a money game. At the end of the game, you're gonna whoever has the most money is gonna win. At the end of a round, if you've gotten rid of all of your green cards, you're gonna get whatever dollar value chit you put secretly on that little side. So the m- bulk of the money you're going to make is from getting rid of your cards. Getting rid of your cards in a particular suit. Um, on the other side of the activity board, this is where I think the game gets really interesting. You have what's called the the sort of call area. You you are either obligated to play a card from your call area to the board if you have if you can, or from your hand. What the call board lets you do, however, is if you don't want to play a card now because you don't think it's advantageous to you. You can call it to the board in front of you. And so you've got basically four turns before you're absolutely going to have to play a card from your hand. Right. Um, the other little wrinkle is that those cards that sit in your little call area are worth a certain dollar amount. And they can be um, earn bonus money for the other players... Um, as they call those acts to the to the stage, that's what the the sort of play area is supposed to be, like the the four rings of the circus. Uh-huh. And uh, if they are able to call your card onto the stage, then they're going to get points. That's not really exactly how it works. That's kind of, but that gives you basically the exactly. the gist of the idea. It's not a good thing, in other words, if you if you have it on your highest value one, and someone's able to cash in on there. So you're you want to see it filter down every turn. They're going to move down on your little activity board till they're worth nothing. So the worst possible situation is you put it out there on your $3 amount and someone's able to cash in when you have it on your right. $3 amount. That's basically the game in a nutshell. I don't, I don't think I've really missed anything, nope. have I? No. Nope. Um, it's, it, it's deceptively simple in that because it's based on this little kids classic old-style card game. I think the first round... We had a little issue with the rules being not necessarily clear. But after we got past that and really got the the flow of the game, um, I thought there was a good deal of depth and strategy there that
1: I was kind of surprised by. What what do you think? I, I totally agree. The first hand that we played, I was like, I just wasn't sure where the game was going at all. And then by the second hand, you realized that there was a heck of a lot of strategy involved in what you played and what you didn't play you could easily look at your hand and see what i would call like power cards cards that were stoppers you could tell that if you didn't play this card nobody else was going to be able to play anything above it and so you knew you knew you had a little power there and if you could just stave off playing that long enough you know you were going to actually gain control over you were going to force the other people to play stuff know, to help you unload your other cards. Right. And Like if the, I uh, had my four, five, and
0: six laying out on my call area where you can see those face up in front of me and you have the three, yeah, I you, know. ha- you it, control my fate, basically. Exactly. Because I'm not going to be able to play those cards until you play that three. I um, thought
1: that was really, I love the addition of the call board, even though I wasn't familiar with Fantan. If that was the main kind of little wrinkle that they threw into this to make it their own, I think it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. So um what what things did you like about it? You know, what what would you say was your favorite aspect of the game? I I just loved um the sneaky the way that it sneaky it had actually that um what am I looking for? It seemed like a kids game when we very first started playing it, and within about 5 or 10 minutes it was like I was just blown away by, you know, how good it actually was. The I think at the end of like the third round it was really neat we were down each down to like two or three or four cards a piece. And you could actually start to tell exactly what everybody had. You Mm -hmm. know, there was maybe five (laughs) or ten cards out. And just by the way that everybody was playing cards, like I know exactly what you have. I know the exact two or three cards that you have. And I was able to judge exactly which cards I needed to play to keep you guys away from playing so I could be the one to run out of cards before anybody else. I didn't, but (laughs) the game's all about timing, I guess is what we're saying in the end. And you want to try to be in
0: control of when you have to play cards. And if you're, uh, I was in a situation where I got down to a very few cards pretty quickly, but then I I was forced because I couldn't play anything onto the board to expose basically everything else I had in my hand. So I was just at the total mercy of everybody else at the table because If they didn't want to let me play that card, there was no way I was going to be able to play the cards I had left. I think the other thing I liked about it was the balance between... Even though you might have just a few cards of a particular suit, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the one you should put your your $10 gate ticket on because you're going to absolutely get rid of those. If both of those cards you have are the sixes... (laughs) You might not get rid of those sixes before somebody else gets right. rid of all their cards, and then you're not going to make that ten dollars and that's going to really put you in the in a bind um, the The bonus thing I thought was cool too the way you could by playing cards out to the middle if you play one of the poster one of the starters for the thing, you get bonuses for all the the similar color suits. Right trying to work that out. There's really oh, a lot of strategy to that. You is want to tough. hold
1: on to them so that you can cash in the best that you can on those bonuses. Your timing and, has to be perfect on that because as soon as those other cards have been called out by the opponents, <laughs> you have a very limited time to throw the poster out there and catch them before they devalue themselves. You know, <laughs> I seem to be an expert at doing it at the exact wrong time. <laughs> but...
0: But that's, you know, anytime you play a game for the first time, you're going to have... Right. that. That's part of the fun of playing a game for the first time is going, oh, that sort of... You have that light bulb exactly. moment Bing. where you're like, oh, I <laughs> totally understand how to play this game. Can we start over now? Exactly. <laughs> but
1: um, what what didn't you like about it? I would say probably the only thing was just maybe the components. Absolutely. I wish it had been made just a little bit better. The, um, the cards were actually nice. Like you said before, the artwork is awesome. The cards were really neat. Um, the, all the other components, the little teeny cardboard chips, reminded me of a oh, game I might have God. played twenty or thirty yeah. years ago. You and know. they ca- they came on one perforated sheet, so you had to like yeah. bend it back and forth. And... and you could tell they had the like the little, I don't know how you say the little alligator teeth. Yes, kind of, you know, just the <laughs> real rough edges around the ends of them. And then the little your playing board where you kept score. Of any bonus points you it's got, like the everything lightest, lightest grade card stock that you could possibly buy. Right, and for the for the full retail price of this game, you know, if if you weren't able to find it on sale or at an online dealer, there is no way it's worth. Well, to be honest, I mean, I love the circus theme, and I thought
0: the game looked cool, but I had seen it at regular retail, and I just couldn't bring myself to buy right. it because I was like, that's just too much. Having seen the components for that kind of game, and I mean, I ended up getting a really killer deal when I got it. But I would pay the, the I think it's worth the twelve to thirteen. I, I don't think that's right. totally overpriced. It's way overpackaged for yeah. a single deck of cards and these little don't don't like have a cold or allergies when you play <laughs> because those little chits are so small that poof they could be gone in an instant. And they're they could so have easily
1: they could have easily upgrade some of those components oh, without yeah. going overboard. I mean just some plastic pawns for the thing to keep score, instead of a little cardboard chit. I mean, what do those mm-hmm. cost, all of two cents or yeah. something? I mean, my brain got going with all the... I could see this game
0: even not being a card game, but a board game with all the different... I mean, you could have little tiles or little figurines for all the, the right. circus freaks exactly. and the animals and things that would make the game even more... Obviously, that's not the game right. we're, exactly. we're playing, but you can see that there was the potential for that aspect to even be enhanced more, and maybe right. they, they
1: fell a little short of the mark, I'd say... On that one, yeah, but it it gets high marks. I say if you can yeah, if you yeah, find on, this for the same kind two of deals that we found, it's definitely worth playing. I thought I thought it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it's one that you might you might look at and go, yeah, I, I don't think that's going to be worth anything. And I would give it a second look if I were you because it's it's got all those hallmarks of a of a good Euro game. Even though it looks like it was designed by
1: an American designer here locally, i i I, I would give it. I would definitely look forward to playing it again. I, I would love to play it again because I'm, I was just finally getting comfortable with it by the time we quit. So <laughs> I would definitely go for that one again.
0: On to uh, game, okay, yeah. game number two. <laughs> on the complete flip <laughs> <Yeah>. side.
1: <laughs> you might want to hold on <laughs> to your <laughs> neck before you get a little whiplash from the next yeah, uh, exactly switch here. The second game we played tonight uh, was Thern and Taxi's. Which was the 2006 Spiel de Jar winner. Yay! Woohoo! Um, before, I, I'll go into some of the details about the um, game. It was co published in 2006 by Rio Grande and um, Hansen Gluck. It was designed by Andreas and Karen Seyfarth. Um, this, I believe, was Karen's first designer credit. I haven't found oh. her anywhere else, but Andreas, we know well from other games like Manhattan, Puerto Rico, oh, and Puerto yeah. Rico's little brother San Juan. <laughs> so, those were wonderful games. This game is for 2 to 4 players, ages 10 and up, and it lists for about 33 bucks, but you can find it anywhere online for $21 to $26, hmm. which is a great deal for this game. Um, before we get into the game, we did we mentioned that it did win the Spiel des Jahres in 06, and those of you who are not familiar with um, the Spiel des Jahres, that's it's definitely the worth German game board game of the year. It was Basically, the award was founded in 1978 by an association of leading game reviewers that were from several German-speaking countries. The cool thing is the award is for new publications in the area of family and grown-up games. So, basically, they award games that stimulate the idea of playing games with family and friends while still promoting games as a cultural asset. And I think that's awesome. So, when a game yeah. wins this award, it's not going to be the most you know, brain-hurting game that you can play. Right. It's a game that is does, that they think is a great game to play with your families. And, you know, with families, right. you're talking all kinds of age, span, mm-hmm. you know, the spans from the kids to the parents and everything. Yeah. And this game fits that, I think, to a T. Yeah, those, I don't know what to call them, on the fence or the Borderline right.
0: borderline's not the right word, slipstream, that, That's that crossover between the the hardcore gamer and the not a gamer at all a game that both those
1: people could sit down at a table and have a fun time with right and it, this was scratch I can absolutely see why this one won the yeah, award absolutely you know and it had some stiff competition and I can see why they picked this versus you know some of the other crazy stuff yeah Kalos. And... Kalos, because those are awesome games but they're given awards you know for games that are you know for families and friends and stuff and this is awesome. As, oh, as you'll find out as we start to describe it here. <laughs> exactly. So back to Thurn and Taxis, a little insight into the theme of the game. Uh, basically this in 1490, Kaiser Maximilian I awarded Franz van Franz von Taxis the contract to deliver mail between the Kaiser's residence in Innsbruck and Brussels. He did such a good job that the postal services in the country continued to be connected with the name Thurn and Taxis. With the introduction of postal carriages in the middle of the 17th century, members of the family were raised to count status, and given the hereditary title of Postmaster General, that's where the game comes in. <laughs> so basically our job is to emulate the achievements of this awesome family and build a successful postal network. So it's a it's cool history... Yeah. I love that. There's actually a little um, insert in the game, a two-sided full-color insert in um, the history in much greater detail. Oh, I didn't see that. that. that That's cool. That's really neat. That's cool. A lot of information that I absolutely did not know. Um, I guess component-wise, this game has a nice little board. sorry that a little frog <laughs> in my throat he gets so emotional <laughs> when he's... I love this game <laughs> um, it's a cool little board it's got a bunch of little um, wooden houses which you gotta love little wooden pieces you can never go wrong <laughs> um, all the cards in the game are the little small cards but they work well with this game yeah, because yeah. you're kind of laying them out on the board and um, what else you got um, the little bonus tiles that are laying off the yes, board yes. Um, come with the game so a quick overview of the game. Um, basically, each turn is divided into three parts. Two? two. Well, if you count it's scoring three. Right, exactly. Um, so the first thing you have to do is you have to draw a card into your hand. And there are six cards laying out on the board face up, so there's kind of a pool of cards to choose from. Or you can opt to draw blindly from the stack of face down cards. So you draw a card into your hand, and then you have to play a card and and all the cards are the different the cities name, the names So you're trying cities. to have your postal routes on exactly so on your turn you're going to start a route a postal route or continue a route that you would have started in a previous turn and the cool thing is that you can only have a single route so if you ever find yourself in a situation where you can't add to the route then you're going to lose that route <laughs> and have to start from scratch so you have to kind of plan ahead and realize you know what i better you know, score this route now, because if I go one more turn, <laughs> it's just not going to be worth anything. Right. I liked all. your comparison to Bonanza. It did kind of <laughs> have that feeling, the bean fields compared yes. to the postal route. <laughs> do I do I cash in my beans and, or risk making them worth nothing? <laughs> exactly. And there's um, the, another neat thing is there's four characters in the game that you can call on for their assistance. I believe there was the postmaster, Yeah, have the postal carrier, the administrator and the cartwright, the cartwright. Oh, okay. And they all gave you special abilities. You could only choose. You could choose to use only one of those during each of your turns. They all had great abilities. Mm-hmm. You wanted to use all four of them. Right. Every single turn. One, what one, lets you draw two cards
0: instead, instead of, of one. One, one, one lets let you, you play, play two, two cards. cards. One lets you get rid of all the cards so that you have more options to draw from. Exactly. And the other one allows you to. Um, helps you buy the carriages, the carriages that are which are really important points. exactly so those were really neat abilities and again uh, i i had not uh, fully realized um the connection between puerto rico and him you can right. see exactly. with the absolutely the bidding i mean you're not really taking on the role of anyone or like exactly. that in
1: puerto rico but there's a definite influence there, you can see without a doubt <laughs> definitely uh, let's see. What did I? That's basically. The... That's what's so neat about this game. Is it yeah. so so <laughs> simple? On each turn, you're just trying to construct Draw a card, these postal play a routes. Card is basically a... the rule of the game. Yeah, exactly. And you're placed, as you as you create these routes, you're placing your little wooden houses in the cities that you have delivered the post, you know, the mail to. Right. Um, and you get certain bonuses for having. Um, yeah, the scoring, I guess, is where the the real strategy comes yes, in. Yeah, that's how to score your routes. Exactly. The the long, You have certain bonuses for long routes. You have certain bonuses for completing um, entire routes in certain sections of the country or just in certain cities. Right. Um, and you, you need to kind of spread out and kind of do a little bit of everything is kind of the best way, but... It's definitely not easy to do. When you get to the end of the game, you can find that it's, you may only have a couple of houses left, but it can be actually tough to get rid of them because you can't play uh, more than one of your houses per city on the board. And unless you can get the right cards and get the right postal routes, it's it's tough at the yes. end. Yes, <laughs> it's hard not to double up and go back through cities you've already gone through right. and dropped
0: off your little house marker. on. It, you almost have to do it, but you want to try to limit the number of times you have to do exactly. that, which... I think is certainly part of the the
1: strategy of of the game, right? Um, and yeah. the the cool thing is that the end game is kind of triggered um, by one of the players either either placing their last house on the board or getting that the final carriage, carriage. which I believe is uh, like a ten point carriage, and either seven 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 cities in the route exactly. So either of those things two things happen. And you know that 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 triggers the last round of the game. And it was kind of neat because I was in a situation in this game where I thought that I had to have that last carriage. (laughs) And I was going for it, and you were able to sneak in and actually play the last house, which gave you two or three more bonus tiles, which was just everything that you needed to take you over the top. I still
0: thought I was going to lose, but I knew that the only way I could have a chance to win was to run myself out of houses before you could get that that carriage, so and that was any, perfect. any game that has that cool balance of I took the sort of nickel and dime approach and didn't never really go for any long routes and just tried right. to get as many of the little piddly routes because it got all my guys onto the board um, especially the board is worth mentioning because it 's a really cool map oh, of yeah, awesome. um, you know sort of central germany and and some of the adjoining nation. Uh, not na- they weren't nation states at right. the time. It would have been more like principalities at the time. Um, but the way it's set up is really cool because they are only it's it's a, a lot like a rail game. Absolutely, it's sort of weird. It's a, this hybrid <laughs> fusion of all these kind of different elements from games that that we know and love, but uh, in a diff- in a different enough way right. that it doesn't seem like it's like oh it's just Bonanza meets <laughs> whatever. Um, but the way the map is set up. It's easy to go, oh, well, I think I can get, oh,
1: crap, those two cities aren't connected the way I thought they were. Um, that, that That's just worth mentioning, I think. Absolutely. And I, I think it's cool, too, that the artwork they used on the board, the actual buildings in each one of the cities are actual real buildings. And if you're oh, not familiar with cool. them, that sheet goes through, and there's a picture of every single one, and they tell you what it is and give you a little history that's... behind it and it's just awesome. You gotta love any game that goes that
0: extra mile. If you're gonna tie it to history like that, right? To actually tie it to the history
1: and not some artificial way, um, that you gotta give right. Extra just credit just for to that. choose a building from each one of those cities and actually <laughs> do that instead of just having like a little blob of something yeah. that's a city, <laughs>
0: generic Renaissance building. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I thought that was really cool. And now, having played it, we already mentioned this earlier. Absolutely. Well deserved yeah. uh, award this year for this field, yeah. and now having played it, the neat, the other neat thing is that I think we could teach this to somebody. Probably just in a handful of minutes. The actual game itself is so simplistic to learn how yes. to play. Yes, you know there. Your turns can be a little crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to figure out all your possibilities. The the game really
0: takes place more in your brain than in terms of understanding the rules, right. which I would put this in the same category as Carcassonne or. Uh, maybe even Settlers of Catan in terms of you could pull in non-gamers and oh, say, you know, definitely. it would intimidate them to look at the game because it looks so not like, you know, right. a game they're used to playing. But when you can just sit down and say, look, on your turn, you're going to draw a card and you're going to play a card. And really, until you want to score something, that's where the game gets a little complicated.
1: That's that's the hallmark of a great game right. design, in my opinion. Absolutely. They, they did a wonderful job with this. <laughs> So any, any bad points? Hmm. I don't know that I can really think of
0: one off the top of my head. I, I really liked how... Um, maybe, maybe the fact that there wasn't a ton of interaction. We were all kind of playing on the same board, but not... Uh, we're playing against each other in that we're all trying to get the point right. totals, but there's no real way to mess with each other's You're not plans. necessarily able uh,
1: to block people off from doing what they want to do <clears throat> unless you were to sacrifice yourself. You know, maybe you could tell what somebody was wanting to do and you could pull the cards from the display that you could right. tell that they wanted, you know. Right.
0: Francie certainly accused <laughs> yeah. me of that several
1: yeah. times, but... There was some name calling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I legitimately needed those cards. Absolutely. <laughs> But I, I would agree with you. I, I, even while we were during the middle of the game, I was like, man, I just wish there was some way I could stop Steven. I could tell exactly what yeah. he wants to do, but I can't do anything. But there's I there's other games that are that style yeah. of game, and this is not that. I don't...
0: Yeah. <laughs> I haven't ever <been> that. <laughs> I don't think we're saying that this game has like runaway leader problems. No. Where that, that nope. could be the case. That's usually the case when you have games where you can't, can't. really stop someone. Right. If you see them getting a lead. To me, the strength is that because you can kind of go about trying to win in several from several different strategies, that if you could, you know, Dave could see, oh, I'm trying to get rid of my houses as fast as I could, Dave suddenly can say, oh, well, I'm going to try to get all the long routes and build up my bonus chits so that I'll have enough to, it awesome. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that I'm going to get stuck with a couple negative points for not getting all my houses right. on the board, that that's actually kind of cool um, as well, you know, it, it seems like there'd be a way to work a little interaction in hear, there, right. Without breaking what's already a, a really
1: good yeah, game. Yeah. I that's probably quibbling, but right. it's kind of hard to criticize the, a game that just won this stupid Spiel jar. <laughs> yeah, genre. yeah. But
0: uh, <laughs> who are we to,
1: to <laughs> criticize? Exactly. But, but if that, I guess that's the only thing I can think of. Right. What about you? I I don't have anything wrong with it at all. I I love it. I can't wait to play it again because, like I said, by turn. You know, by the time we were getting close to the end, the, the early mistakes I made that I were that I was having a hard time correcting, I would never make. Yeah, and it would make for a really awesome game. So. Yeah, yeah, and I think maybe looping back to Big Top for a second, it,
0: I mean, the people from Big Top could learn a lot from how they integrated the theme into the actual sort of gameplay itself. It didn't right. feel pasted on. Where with Big Top, all the little like the circus art and the little blurbs about the circus things are really cool. But in no way did it have really anything to do with the actual play of, right. of the game. It didn't feel connected at all. And in this one, just because of the, the way the board's laid out and the way you go about doing things with the having to get the postmaster's help for the, right. the different things you want to do, it felt much more sort of meshed together um, that that's worthy of, of a pat on the back, too, yep,
1: I think. Definitely. Well, heck, that was two awesome games.
0: Yeah, I was I was actually kind of
1: expecting to like one and not like the other. And Absolutely, I like them both. Yeah, they they are both good games, <laughs> and uh, I think we're looking forward to playing both of them again. That's two off the list, and I don't I don't remember where our list is, but it's oh, it's, it's painful. Yeah, it's ugly. It's so painful. That's, are we over two hundred now? No, it's not that bad.
0: Oh, thank it's you. it's
1: close to being that bad. <laughs> yeah,
0: but so there's <laughs> two. You're, off the, you're list. the bad boy, man. You're uh, the one who's uh, made the list explode. There were, there were
1: there were things that were beyond my control. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's always dave's excuse if you'll notice you can you're my witness <laughs> listeners
1: cool so two more off the list and next week maybe three <laughs> you never know you never know
0: Backshelf spotlight these games need some love and we're going to give it to them the backshelf spotlight shines on those games that may have slipped past your attention. Classic games, rare games, obscure games that you may not know about, but you should. If you're looking to branch out and try something new, this would be a good place to start. previously on the Back Shelf (laughs) Spotlight. It seems like it's been so long ago. Many, many moons (laughs) ago. Since we've had the Gen Con episodes, I think the last backshelf Spotlight Challenge, we were actually in Pennsylvania. (laughs) Right. Um, So, to refresh your memories, for those of you who might have slept since then, like (laughs) we have, (laughs) um, the two games with the connection, we always have the connections between the two games in the Back Shelf Spotlight, were Guillotine and Bonanza. And... We, got, we had no correct guesses this time. I'm, with the extra time, you yeah. would have figured somebody in these, there would have come were, up. These were tough. But, you know, I, I kind of got a little left field on these. So there are two connections. The connections between Bonanza and Guillotine are... First connection, both games are played over the course of three days in the game. The rounds are considered days. days. So at the end of the third day in Guillotine, you add up your points and the biggest number of heads you have... Um, that's the winner. In Bonanza, same deal. At the end of the third day, you count up the points of the beans you've grown, and that's who wins the, the game. So that's <laughs> connection number one. Connection number two is that both games use the cards themselves as the scoring device. So with Bonanza, the backside of the card are the gold, and so you use those in your scoring yeah. pile. In Guillotine, the heads actually have the numbers on them, and you put them and in your big pile of heads, heads, and that's uh Bingo. that's how you keep score. So... <laughs> Better luck next time, uh, listeners. It's kind of sneaky, but I, I like those connections. I thought they were pretty good. I liked them. So on to uh, the business at hand
1: here. Uh, what's what's on your agenda for backshelf to this week? Well, I'll give you a little hint. Actually, on both of them, our backs. Obviously, they're going to have a new connection. Yeah. Only one connection this time because my right. brain couldn't come up with a second <laughs> one. But we kind of have a killer meat machine meets Buddha. <laughs> So there's there's an obvious connection. But well, yeah, naturally, naturally, <laughs> we'll let you guys figure that out. <laughs> but uh, so the first first game on our list is a classic solo game that's been around for a long time that I absolutely love. It's Chainsaw Warrior. Came out in 1987. It was by Games Workshop. Um, it was actually designed by somebody named the guy's name is Stephen Hand, who did a lot of stuff for Games Workshop early on and area, even a little yeah. bit later. Some great stuff. Uh, I'll give you a little thematic blurb here that I have to read this because <laughs> it's, just too that, it's just awesome. <laughs> so, it's the year 2032. A warp has opened up in the old municipal building in the heart of old Manhattan and bizarre creatures are flooding through into our dimension. Goading them on is darkness. A malevolent entity who intends, intends dragging the city of New York back through the warp and destroying it utterly. <laughs> Many brave... Men died assailing Darkness' stronghold before they remembered you. In the past, you have done the Special Forces unit many favors, but now you must come out of retirement to face the toughest challenge of your glorious career. Equipped with all the latest and high-tech armaments, you must battle your way into the very heart of Darkness, of the very heart of Darkness's domain, and defeat him within the hour, or the city you love will be destroyed. <laughs> this game. It just has it's over color the <laughs> everywhere. I mean, the story is so awesome. Yeah, it's, it's totally over the top. <laughs> there, Basically, you are this crazy marine-type <laughs> hero that's just going in, bludgeoning his way through all these crazy... You've got, like, zombies, packs of rats, chaos agents, mutants, and, of course, the aforementioned meat machine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> who? I mean, whoever thought of the meat machine <laughs> genius yeah <laughs> the The cool thing is this basically the components are there's a nice big board and the board serves one simple purpose just to keep track of all of the stuff in the game it's not really you're not moving around on it right basically your character has um five attributes he's got all these weapons you've got the time limit there's a big like yes clock if you want to call it anything <laughs> else There's um, you're keeping track of all the enemies that you're fighting. Some of the enemies can infect you with venom. Some can infect you with radiation, so you have to keep track of that. And the board is basically just a place where you do all that housekeeping Mm -hmm. to keep track of this stuff. There's like over 150 cards, and these are all the building cards. So every turn you're basically turning one of these guys over to see what kind of heinous... Thing has decided to attack you this time, right? The the fun thing about this game it is a solo game. It pits you against the monsters in this one hour time limit. Yeah, this sort of no win scenario. Yeah, and but it you is. still have to win. Yeah, exactly. You, I've never won this game. <laughs> Me either. I've played it many times. I've never won. The hundred fifty cards are basically divided in half. And in the second half is where you shuffle darkness in, you know, so you have to beat your way through the first <laughs> half and hope pray that darkness is somewhere near the top of the second half of the deck. I sort of consider it victory if I get to the second stack of cards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you do have all kinds of cool weapons. You got, of course, the chainsaw. I mean, naturally, how cool is that? Naturally. And it is an awesome weapon. you got time grenades, dynamite, man to man rockets, and you know, in case you run out of all all that stuff, you have the Poison-coated metal needle. <laughs> I mean, what? how can you go wrong? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Doesn't everybody carry one of those? <laughs> exactly. This is just a classic game. It's 20 years old. Yeah. The components are little cardboard tokens to fit on this board, but every time I the get this The theme is just oh, so cool. It's like a comic book meets
0: an action movie meets a horror movie yeah. meets a science fiction movie on steroids. It's just <laughs>
1: all those things wrapped up into exactly. one. And every, t- every time you play this game, is different because you... S- you basically create your character every time. Mm-hmm. You know, you're rolling dice to create the different attributes every time, mm-hmm. and then you're actually knitting out every time, different weapons and stuff. Oh, right, A right. Classic. If you I, haven't tried this, yeah. Whew. And I think the fact that this
0: is the first I think solo game we've ever mentioned on the Spiel, uh, it which is I, you're that's right. worth mentioning on its own. There's a you're whole right. sort of category of games like that that right. don't get mentioned a lot. That you know, you don't have to play solitaire. <laughs> to have a really good time and to have sort of an in-depth rich game kind of experience on exactly. your own and this is one that I mean you brought this to my attention long long ago. I can remember you saying, "Hey, I just saw a copy on eBay for like $3. You have to buy this game." And you were totally right. It, it's it's way it worth having. Painfully fun. <laughs> I I would not recommend rubbing the Chainsaw Warrior's belly for luck, though, (laughs) like our uh, second game. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So the second game um, is a game called Samurai. Um, It was published in 1998. Uh, It's uh, published by Rio Grande here in America. Uh, Rainer Knizia is the designer. Two to four players, about 45 minutes on average to play the game. So any game that comes with plexiglass Buddha's Sign me up. That's all you got to yeah. say. Plexiglass Buddhas, I'm there. So in this game, you're going to use hexagonal tiles to try to surround cities, um, which have one to three different figures, rice patties, Buddhas, or high hats. Um, the tiles represent influence on a particular facet of the city, and the highest influence on a figure when the city is surrounded is going to take that figure. Um, The object of the game is to have more than anyone else in a particular category of those hi-hats, Buddhas, or rice patties, and then then to have the most remaining figures at the end of the game. Um, Just a classic abstract strategy game you know the theme Slightly. in terms of the look and the feel is very well worked in but it's really at its core an abstract strategy Absolutely. game you're not going to get sort of the oozing akira kurosawa kind of you know <laughs> <laughs> seven samurai feel out of out of the game necessarily but it's it's a classic of that sort of abstract genre and i'd say it even plays faster than 45 the, minutes Oh, it's, I, it's a very fast game um it's fairly recent so i'd still put it in that kind of new classic category right. but um has beautiful components it has a really uh, elegantly designed style for the the actual play of the the game the rules are simple i guess is what i'm trying to say Right. In a very long-winded way <laughs> of saying the rules are simple so again a lot like um Thurn and Taxis it a lot of the game takes place in your head and right. not in ha- what rule applies here or there right. um Definitely worth checking out, especially since it's back in print. Right, just, just as recently, a few months ago or something, uh, came back in print. You can find it online for around twenty five, twenty six dollars, and for a great two to four player. I don't think there are a lot of abstract strategy games that that branch out a lot of them tend to be two player games right. so to have a game that you can go from 2 to 4 right. players i think this is definitely one that's worth either dusting off the shelf if you have it on yourself get
1: it out and play it again if you haven't seen it or go out there and add it to your shelf because I, I, love, a, I love the victory conditions of this game yes you get through like you know i think the victory conditions are like two pages long in explaining because it's this He's trying to make you spread the wealth around you know you you have to have the most of one of those three types to even qualify to win mm-hmm. you know, and then if you can get one of those, it's going to be what you have left over, yes, you know it's just <laughs> and then there's like if this ties, then you can go to this tiebreaker and this tiebreaker' <laughs> and so I remember the first time when I read this rule, this was kind of one of the early. Um, German style European board games. I had played. Yes. I was just going. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the on the victory condition. I guess maybe I was overstating the simplicity of the rules in terms of actually
0: playing your tiles to the board. I think it's not that hard to understand. But oh, no. understanding how to score and everything is very strategic, and there's a lot of thought. And
1: <laughs> I still think you're right. It is pretty simple. It was just kind of one of the first rules set of rules <laughs> that I had read that wasn't Monopoly. Yeah. or something and I was just taken aback you know but it's a great game. Definitely uh, definitely check out
0: both uh, Chainsaw Warrior and uh, Samurai and remember there's a connection between as, as strange as it might sound <laughs> there is an actual connection between these two games and it's up to you fearless listeners to uh, find that connection and of course you can email us at
1: Either <laughs> Stephen at the spiel.net or Dave at the spiel.net. So yep. that'll, that'll do it for uh, the backshelf spotlight.
0: Truckloads of Goober. What is Goober, you ask? While sages and scholars may debate its subtle nuances, Dave defines Truckloads of Goober as either a game with a ton of quality components or a game with really unique components. Now we're not saying you should always judge a book by its cover, but the stuff, the goober in a game can be a factor in having fun. Great goober can make an otherwise average game excellent. Great goober can make an already great game sublime. So without further ado, here are the goobermeisters with their pick.
1: This episode for Truckloads of Goober we have a game that is absolutely huge, which is literally, exactly, f- physically huge. The game is World of Warcraft, which is in Fantasy Flight's big box series, right <laughs> along with Descent and Twilight Imperium Third Edition. <laughs> big box doesn't even come close to no, covering no. it. <laughs> these, these are absolutely the biggest boxes of of any board game I've seen. They're as big as some tables. Just yes. the just the box. It's it's crazy. Like I said, this was out in two thousand five. It's a two to six player. What I think is cool about this is it's a it's in teams I mean oh, I, yeah, 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 I that think cool. that's pretty neat. that is cool. It was designed by Christian T. Peterson, and uh, the first thing you notice about this is obviously the size of the box and the gorgeous <laughs> artwork on the box. I just love, yeah, I mean, it's great. So you pop open the box and the first thing that you notice inside the box is the 40 page rule book. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that comes with this much goober, obviously they've got to spend some time telling you how to use the goober. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next One with thing, hope. oh yeah, exactly. It has a huge board, a gorgeous full color board that is awesome. It's got a hundred and twenty plastic creature figures,
0: insane. That are a lot of them are differentiated. It's not like a hundred and twenty of the same monster or something, they're right? All no, there they're of are se- right
1: there are several different kinds. There are sixteen character figures. There's nine large character sheets. Get ready for this one. There's nearly 500 counters in this game. I I haven't punched this game out yet, but when I do, I'll just invite everybody I know over. (laughs) Yes. Because it's going to be insane. They're going to be like, are we going to play this game tonight? No, we're
0: not (laughs) playing this game. You're just
1: punching it out. There's over 450 cards. (laughs) And near and dear to my heart, there's 21 eight. Sided dice. <laughs> I got you. Got to love How that. How can you go wrong? <laughs> this game is a classic role-playing board game. You step into the role of a character that you're gonna basically travel around this fantasy world, building up this character's traits by going on quests and beating up bad guys. Yeah, and I just love that kind of game. Yeah, and it's you know it's ba- you have to say it's based on the, right, exactly. the
0: massively multiplayer online. It's game, you huge. know, World of Warcraft that's
1: just, you know, Which take, taking over the universe. Kind of seems like this is a trend lately. We're seeing a lot of computer games <laughs> being ported over to board it's games. It's sort of ironic,
0: isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's that wacky. I, I don't quite... I, it, we can't complain because no. they're actually making good games out of them, but it's kind of weird to see them go from these virtual... Things to physical <laughs> yeah, right. things that I'm not, not. We're not complaining. Don't no, don't no. get us wrong. Love but it. it is kind of an ironic twist that you see games taking that journey backward when before. If yeah. you think of like Civilization, absolutely that had its life as a board game and then was ported to a computer
1: and then has been ported back. Then <laughs> right. now it's sort of turnabout's fair play. <laughs> right. It's it's just those games are great and this thing. I think this probably would tie for biggest truckloads of goober. Yeah. We've had some other things, but this is just
0: <laughs> pound for pound, yeah. How can you get more goober for your buck than, than this game, you know? <laughs> exactly. <I> mean, <laughs> it is it's
1: got a fairly hefty price tag at eighty bucks. Yeah. But online you can get it for just a hair over fifty. Which and man.
0: for the for the amount of stuff, right. even if the game is kind of crap, if you were looking for a game just to get, like for your if you had a young kid that liked playing with little plastic figures, I mean, right. maybe they're a choking hazard, so maybe I'm going a little too right. far there. But, <laughs> but you know, a certain age kid, heck, for that alone, just as like a playset full of fantasy figurines or things, if they're old enough to right. know not to put, put them up their nose,
1: <laughs> which, <laughs> kinda, which
0: would exclude me. Yeah, I still put them up my nose. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, that withstanding, I mean, that's really not a lot to pay for no, just no. even the components. Notwithstanding that it's actually, you know, from what I've heard is we haven't played it yet, I, right. so I can't really I, say. Yeah, we exactly can't give that. it
1: any reviews, but we have a lot, several friends that really enjoy playing this game. Yeah, so I'm I can't wait to play. Maybe we'll have to do that soon because it's been a while since we played. We haven't had an ugly one. Off the, yeah, exactly. The list for a while, so that would be a, a big bad ugly. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that'll do it for truckloads of goober.
0: The game Somali, or Right game, right crowd. Like matching the perfect vintage with a delicious meal, the Game Sommelier finds the right game for any crowd, age, experience, or personality. Each week, one of us must pick five games to meet a fiendish challenge. Each week, one of us must earn the right, the honor, to be called the Game Sommelier. Here's Steven with this week's challenge. So, Dave, if you don't remember, your challenge last time, last week on The Spiel. uh, (laughs) Should I choose to accept it? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) This episode will not (laughs) self-destruct. Your challenge was to find five games for hardcore gamblers that they would enjoy enough to pry them away from the slots or the craps table. The games can't be obvious gambling game rip-offs. The idea being to expose these gamblers to the wider world of games, because gamblers, whether they know it or not, are gamers. They're a very specific kind of gamer, but they enjoy Absolutely. games. So why not try to bring them in, pull them into <laughs> the fold exactly. of
1: all these different kinds of games? So there you have it. What what have you come up with? Well, this was pretty. This was pretty fun. The, the first thing I tried to do is try and figure out, you know, what makes them. Want to play these gambling games, and then try to find games that fits that same niche. Um, and what I've discovered is probably no surprise to anybody. I think what is alluring, what is alluring to a gambler, is obviously the chance to acquire stuff versus the risk. Of losing some of your own stuff, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Sure. Most of the time, when you and I sit down to play games, with the exception of a little a little ego and pride, <laughs> there, there's really nothing tangible to lose or gain. Yeah. And I think it's that tangible gain or loss that kind of has them sucked in. Um, I don't know whether there's any board games that come quite up to that level of providing that, but there certainly are tons out there with wagering mechanisms. You know, mm-hmm. that you and I, we, we've done our fair share of gambling. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and we love... I th- <laughs> and losing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I think there are a lot of games that you and I get the feeling of gambling with and still really enjoy. Mm-hmm. So hopefully I found five of these. <laughs> I like that. I like that intro there. Cool. So uh, the first one I picked is Royal Turf. <laughs> How can I not pick yeah, Royal yeah, Turf? That's
0: an excellent pick.
1: It's a game from Aaliyah. Um, it's for two to six players, and it was designed by Rainer Kinesia. This game came out in 2001, and also the neat thing is it's just been reprinted by uh, face-to-face games under the title um, Winner's Circle. Um, this is just a classic horse racing game that the whole game is three horse races, and basically you're trying to bet on the horses that you think will finish in the top three places. The unique thing is that you have some control over which of these horses do actually finish in the top three (laughs) spots. Um, It has a wagering thing. You're going to secretly be betting on the horses that you think will finish in the top three spots. And just like in real horse racing, the more people that bet on a single horse, the The lower the odds are and the less money that you're going to get. Now, this game is not designed to be played with real money. But it does ooze in that oh, horse racing, betting kind of theme, and
0: I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, that's an excellent pick. That, that was actually one of the first games that came to mind when I came <laughs> up with this challenge. So, so get out of my head! <laughs> cool. Oh, definitely a big thumbs up. It, it, you can get, you just get in, you get sucked into the mood of trying to root for your, you don't have necessarily one horse, that you're trying to right. get across the line, you know, you, it's it's jockeying, no pun intended, <laughs> or maybe <laughs> pun intended, <laughs> to get you know the the best bang for your buck out of you know the one that everybody bets on is not going to pay off so much. So right. can you sneak that one that you didn't that you exactly. think nobody else put their their big bets on across the finish line, even second place? Right, you could end up you know making and it fat has a, cash and it has on a small
1: that. little element of bluffing too because one of your betting chits is actually a zero, and people can see where you're betting, but they don't know what you're betting. Right. And one is actually a bluff, and it's kind of fun to put that out there and kind of tease people into believing (laughs) that you're trying to get this horse across when you really don't care.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, you've you've set the bar high now. That's a good one, so what what do you got next? Okay, on a complete
1: different (laughs) vein than that. Exactly, a complete different tangent. A game called Odds Are. Do you even remember playing this game? Is that that trivia slash gambling weirdness game? Oh Yeah, I do remember that game. Published in 2003 by Eagle Games and designed by Roger Schlafer. (laughs) It is actually a trivia game that you bet on. It's very cool. You can actually place bets on whether you think the person is going to be able to answer the question question correctly or not correctly. <laughs> and even if you don't know any trivia whatsoever, it's a blast to go, you know what? I think Steven has no clue about <laughs> this next question. And as you progress through the game, the um, the actual amounts of money that you're betting increases right. several levels. I oh, yeah, I remember that now, yeah. And I just thought that was really a crazy insane wagering trivia game. Yeah, well the uh, that's
0: an excellent pick first off big thumbs up. I think the cool thing that I remember the most about that was, you know, it it's definitely a trivia game of a sort, but the real the real skill is understanding the wagering mechanic. Absolutely. And any gambler is going <laughs> to you know, gravitate towards that. It doesn't matter that they may not be good at the trivia, and I think that's really cool. It would be a great way to maybe say, oh, well, I used to think, you know, trivia games sucked, but hey, this is an interesting, you know, I would sit down and play that because I really am good at the the betting part of it. So, so
1: yeah, whenever you can bet on somebody's ignorance, I mean, <laughs> I'm all over that. <laughs> number two, good. Yep. Okay, number three actually has a gambling theme. Okay. It's called Vegas. <laughs> James Ernest writes off another trip to Las uh, Vegas. Okay. Okay. Cheap Ass Game came out in 2000 is just a crazy fun goopy <laughs> little board game. The the board is are these like four casinos and you travel around from casino to casino having to play the games of chance that they offer. <laughs> and as if you as you after you're done playing their games of chance, then you can purchase like lottery tickets in their you know their big raffle at the end of the night. Also, at the same time that you're doing those two things, you're collecting cards to build poker hands. Okay. It's just this cool. completely <laughs> zany, off the wall mix of game. But it absolutely this one is completely Vegas. You've got your roulette, you've got your blackjack, you've got all the table games. Yeah, you know. But so I don't know if this is kind of a little cheaty. No, um, I don't think so. But it. I remember just loving this game a lot and no I mean to me that's a that's an excellent pick because it it
0: comes at the challenge from the point of view of you could suck them into wanting to play because of the theme Right. even though it's not necessarily a gambling game right. per se because it's, you know the whole Vegas thing might pull them into To you know, that would be what makes them sit down and go, "Oh, well, yeah, I'll play it. It's about Las Vegas or whatever." The fact that it isn't a gambling game becomes totally secondary to the fact that you got them to sit down and play the game (laughs) to begin with.
1: So, and this is one that this is kind of a crossover because the first two that I described aren't don't involve real money at all. Mm. This one. Has an option, so it can either <laughs> not in real, involve real money, or you can actually play for real money.
0: <laughs> those great folks at Cheap yeah, ass exactly. games you can tell those guys love to gamble on anything and everything. So there's, all, I can't count the number of games that they have. The little, if you want to play it, this game for it, money, exactly. <laughs>
1: not that we ever do. <laughs> exactly. Cough, I cough. Always, you know what I always remember is Ben Hurt. Because, oh yeah, because they say. Under no circumstances should you ever, ever attempt <laughs> to play for real money. You will end up killing each other. Yeah, you know, which you can see the wonderful nights of them play tests. They're yeah. playing this with money and just, you know, killing each other. Take my well aimed cat and <laughs> exactly. I'm going home. So that was number three. Thumbs now, up, thumbs like up. Like I said, that that was kind of bridge the gap. Now I'm going to move to two games that absolutely you do play for money. Okay. You're not going to find these games in any casino anywhere. Okay. But they are quite possibly two of the oldest gambling games on the planet. <laughs> hmm, Anyb- anybody who's go. listened to any of our podcasts will know exactly what two games I'm talking <laughs> about because they are great games and they are without a doubt gambling games that will pull the casino gambler out into yeah. this a different genre. Yep. First one, backgammon. <laughs> yep. <laughs> two player game deeply rooted in gambling. I mean it's yeah. I mean I play this game not gambling and I also do play it when we play for money. Yeah. And it's awesome either way. Yeah, it's it's just great. The gambling when you when you add the money and it takes it up to a, a, a different level. You can play 10 20 games of this in one night, you know, and it'll go back and forth, you know, mm-hmm. oh man, I owe Steven. 25 cents. Oh, now he owes me $2. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> that's
0: I think that's the thing that some people who are all scared off by the gambling thing think that you have to bet for, you know, thousands of dollars in order for it to actually be fun. And good lord, I mean, yeah. we play most of the time, I can't even think. We I mean, play like a nickel or a something. A nickel a, a game, game or something like that. And yeah. to me, just that added yeah, little exactly. nickel somehow. You're not gets getting my
1: nickel, buddy. It gets your juices flowing
0: in a way. <laughs> Absolutely. That, you know, I mean, not every game that's going to apply to, but certain games, it totally enhances the experience yep. of playing the game.
1: And good lord, backgammon, oh. you know, you couldn't pick a better one there big big thumbs up i would love to get somebody off of the crabs table (laughs) and into a backgammon board yeah (laughs) backgammon lounge exactly okay so that leads me to the final pick hmm
0: does it have two words does the title of the game have two words possibly
1: does it have little tiles possibly involved absolutely (laughs) we are discussing mahjong (laughs) which is a great game and an awesome gambling game. In fact, I mean, that's basically its only purpose. Yeah. I mean, we, we play it here in this country now as not a, you know, not as a gambling game.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> it depends upon which, which little old Jewish ladies you're
1: playing with. Is, Some of those is, ladies are hardcore. <laughs> exactly. But But in Asia, obviously, there's entire. Oh, yeah. You know mahjong casinos almost if you want to call them that lounges or well mahjong is to in asian terms what
0: sort of poker is
1: in the western world i would say it's sort of
0: you know the game itself is nowhere not not even close to being the same but in terms of the way people think about
1: it exactly Um, and this game is we play sometimes we have to play for (laughs) uh, like a tenth of a penny you know (laughs) when we're gambling because the scores are so outrageous. Yes. You know, you can go out and oh, you owe me three thousand four hundred and ninety credits, which turns into uh like a hundred and eighty bucks. It's like what I think the yeah, I think the first time
0: the the real the average Mahjong hand you can play for you could play like a penny a point and it's probably no big deal, but because there are these special hands that you can play with that are worth a set amount of points that are way higher than the normal, right. you know, the normal just going out and going Mahjong hands, that that's what blows it out of the water. <laughs> exactly. You end up, you know, I got the Mahjong of the, you know. The crazy monkey. The crazy monkey,
1: and <laughs> suddenly your penny a point ends up being, you know, $6,000. Right. <laughs> because the whole game is based on doubling, and once you start, well, that's got 27 doubles at 30 <laughs> points. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, let, we'll let any math people out there come up with... Uh, 30 times itself or yeah <laughs> they can do the matrix themselves yeah, yeah we won't, exactly we won't, uh, do that on air but uh but that's a uh, just a classic game that yeah yeah just I... get your gambling juices going anytime <laughs> you play this you can see us every time we're playing this about midway through the hand you can just see us all starting to sweat the talking stops. Yes. We're staring each other down <laughs> and we're only playing for like 15 cents.
0: Yep. <laughs> you start you stop talking to someone because you are only one tile away from, you know, having this amazing, you know, the the twisting dragon Mahjong <laughs> and someone else, you know, which is worth 800 points and someone else goes out for 30. Yeah. And you're just like, I'm going to kill you. And then you realize that it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, I could have won the cost of a Coke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Dude. Woo>!
0: <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> but we have a
1: great time with this.
0: That's a... Uh, I Yeah, I couldn't think of a better end to your list here. I mean, that's cool. uh, that's exactly the kind of game I was hoping you'd go to because it still is a gambling game, but it's not your typical gambling right. game. You you have a good mix of games that are going to let them spend a little money or make a little <laughs> money, and games that, that actually introduce them to other types of games, too, right. that you can have fun without having that element in there, exactly. too, which I think is an important crossover for those people who are... You know, think that Texas Hold'em is, you know, all that. I mean, we love it too. But there's all these other kind of cool things that you can take a break from those and and have just as good a
1: time. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right. Well, you know, think I wanted to, I wanted to ding you, but I I couldn't uh, couldn't get you. You know, we're 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 being pretty good here lately. We haven't had any. Thumbs down in a long time, I think. Since since the, the fa- ill-fated LCR incident, <laughs> which we will not speak of.
1: Exactly. We're either getting really good at this or we're being way too damn nice to each other. Yeah. <laughs> which, that, that that generally doesn't happen. No.
0: <laughs> so, no. Or take
1: no prisoners kind of gaming group. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so let me have it. Okay, this is a different kind of a challenge. Of course, I think I always come up with a different kind of challenge, but... <laughs> well, because you're different. Yeah. That goes without <laughs> saying. So your challenge is to find five games to take with you on a four week vacation. While you're on this vacation, you are not gonna have access to any other games. (laughs) The kicker is that all five of these games together have to fit in your carry-on luggage. (laughs) And you can't choose any travel games. You have to pick a wide variety of games. When you get to your destination, you wanna have a game for every situation. One night you might have two players. The next night you might have eight. One night you might want just beer and pretzels. The next night you might want a five-hour death match. <laughs> but you have to come up. You don't have to take the boxes. However, you uh, can kind okay. of, however, you can kind of finagle them in there. But these have to be the end-all of end-all. You're going away on a deserted island, you <laughs> okay. know, type of thing. And these are, these are the, the five games that the... would fit every situation that I could ever need a game in. And you're not going to be sick of them by the end of the right. It, f- Exactly. Too, I, I exactly. I'm not trying it. to put you in a position where you're trying to pick your five best games. Okay, I didn't think it was the Desert it's, Island no, game it's, it's, question. No, it's not that bad. But it's something that you know that if you took these five games along, pretty much every situation, every type of personality... Sort of like your gamer's emergency kit. You exactly. Know? You that's, can
0: pull out a game in any, in any situation that's, and have that's a good a, game.
1: That's exactly <laughs> what it is. In case of glass, bring here. <laughs> right. So we'll see how crazy and creative... The, the funny thing is we both had quite a bit of experience <laughs> Yeah, we this. have. We really have. <laughs> it's like, hmm, how can I fit all this crap it's into so just th- this one little suitcase? It's so <laughs> pathetic, but he's so tr- He's so right. I know that every time I go on a vacation, I sit in front of my wall of games, <laughs> and I just ponder for like an hour. Now, what might I like to play yeah. on that, you know? <laughs> my thing is like box
0: consolidation. How many games can I, if I take this one box, how many games can I fit into that one box?
1: Right. So hopefully we'll we'll see what you come up with in the the ultimate vacation gaming challenge.
0: That's awesome. I like that a lot. That's cool. Okay, is there a size of the carry on? Uh, just the typical like airline carry on. Right, just the normal thing. what you okay. can carry on. Right. Okay,
1: I got it exactly. And obviously no liquids. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> dang man, you ruined my plan. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, I think I'm. I think I'm up to that. Cool. I, I think I can come up with a good list there. That'll be. That'd be kind of a fun thing to just have to know. Okay, I can get out those five games and go from it now should. on. Exactly. <laughs> well, um, I think that'll do it for uh, the game sommelier this this week. Um, before we we put a lid on this episode, um, we just want to say thanks to all the listeners out there. We're glad that you're. You're sticking with us, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, any feedback, good or bad, is, is always appreciated. Absolutely. We love we love we really knowing getting your that, that you're listening, whether you like what you, you're hearing or whether you don't like it. We just we wanna hear from you. So so again, remember Steven at thespiel.net. Or Dave or, at thespiel.net. And we, we wanna hear your comments. You know, if you wanna put a, a review up on iTunes, we don't care if it's a sucky review. We just right. we wanna know that there are people out there listening and that's that's one way that you can give us an idea about about you know where we can improve or what we're doing right. Um, so if you've got a, a second, drop us a line. You know, try the challenge. I think within the next few episodes, we are probably going to have fabulous prizes that might tempt a few more people to exactly. participate
1: in the uh, backshelf spotlight we, we, challenges. We would love to be getting a handful of um, answers in here about our connections for the backshelf spotlight, enough that we could put them in a hat, and draw out some, you know, draw out some right. names. That would right. be awesome.
0: Or if you have uh, suggestions for the challenges for right. uh, the game Somalia. We're all ears. We love to to have you put us
1: both to the test. You know that could even be fun exactly. too. Exactly. Or if you have some connections, I mean, yeah, it is. It is actually kind of tough sometimes to come up with the connections. We love to have some listener connections <laughs> for backshelf spotlight. That'd yeah, be awesome. And we'll give credit where credit is. Due. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: In fact, I've got um, some some uh, what do you call it? Uh, computer desktop. Um, wallpapers oh, that right. a user has, um, Darksys92, I believe his <laughs> his his online moniker. That I'll probably post with this episode, Good, cool. so people can download them. And if you want to have the Spiel wallpaper for your PC or Mac, you can certainly uh, Ooh, do that. Cool. And, uh, thanks to thanks to Darksys92 for for providing us with that. That's awesome. <laughs> so um, I think that'll do it for episode 12. Thanks again for listening and and remember whether it's the
1: roll of a die, the turn of a card, or the flip of a tile, you don't have to play to win. You You just just have have to play. play.